Let's just give a little bit of a hakdama to the chashivas, the importance of public speaking. What is, how does the Torah look at public speaking? So I actually wrote a book called Great Jewish Speeches. I'm not joking. And, uh, <laughs> and um, it basically took the uh, great speeches, the great lectures and... Uh, different types of public uh, speaking venues that the G'dayli Yisrael uh, we have recorded, not obviously a tape recorder, but, a, uh, but in terms of their notes and their uh, transcripts. <laughs> and in the Hakdama, in the introduction to this book, I give a little bit of a background uh, as to what public speaking really is. The Pasuk in Bereisha says that Hashem created Adam, Vayipach ba'apav nishmas chayim. He blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And if you look in the Targum Unkulos, he writes on those words, nefesh chayim, he writes, l'ruach memalala, a speaking spirit. That's how he touches up a living being by an articulate spirit, something that speaks. Meaning that the advantage that a human being has over an animal is that an animal does not have intelligent language. They don't have a language. They might bark or they might uh, do other types of motions or sounds, but they don't have a way to articulate their speech. They don't have a dictionary. They don't have a way to express themselves Verbally, that's something that puts man over the top over all other animals in the world. And so, if that's something that distinguishes us as a human race, that we have the ability to speak, so obviously there is something very chashev when a human being talks. And that's why we know it's so important for us to use our language appropriately. Uh, we should not be using it for nivel peh, for lashon hara, for sheker, because it's such a sensitive and prized possession that we have that we have to treat it in the right way. And in a broader sense, man has recognized the power of public speaking. Public speaking is just an extension of that gift that man has to speak, but to do it in a public way, in a way that if you sculpture the message properly, you can inform and move the masses. And it could be used, of course, Lara. There are many people in history that use their power of speech uh, to move the masses in a negative, horrific way. Uh, and then, of course, there are people that used it in a positive way. And I'm talking even about Gayim, uh, presidents and uh, kings, prime ministers. Uh, they have effectively galvanized people in times of war and in times of peace and to... Uh, and, and to recognize the greatness that lies within. But when we speak about Jewish public speaking, it takes on a whole new um, perspective. Uh, Avram Avinu was perhaps the first one that engaged in public speaking for Hashem. Uh, as the Ramam writes how he went, when he realized that HaKadosh Baruch Hu existed, he went and he, and he really changed the world through his public speaking. The Ramam says very clearly how he went and he uh, ventured out to the idolatrous masses to preach faith in the true and only God. 
And the prophets, of course, Meshur Abeno and the rest of the Nevi'im, they use their words to, uh, to inspire people, to give them comfort, to warn them, to admonish them. And throughout later periods in the Mishnah and the Gemara and all the way down to local uh, Rabbonim, Rosh Hashivas, Mashkichem, Magidim, uh, they all use the ability to speak effectively as a tool and a very powerful tool to change people's hearts, to inspire them, to do tshuva, to be better. And that is what we are going to be hopefully doing uh, ourselves with our ability to public speak. So let's uh, just discuss, now that we have a little bit of a hashkafic background of the greatness of public speaking, let's talk about a few uh, reasons, a few ways that we can uh, better speak publicly. Uh, has anyone, just by a show of hand, has anyone uh, spoken in a shul or in yeshiva in some setting a real formal speech? I imagine by your bar mitzvahs, most of you, if not all of you, also had that opportunity. But that's probably when you lost cheshek for public speaking because it's, it's always very, uh, people get very nervous to public speak. It's famous that I think people are, there are more people that are afraid of death than to speak publicly. I remember that was a statistic I read once. I think it's famous. But there's a reason for it. People... Uh, if you think about it, what you're doing when you're speaking publicly is you're exposing yourself to many eyeballs at the same time. And everybody, if you're a little neurotic uh, or paranoid, you know, you're probably thinking everybody's looking at me. Everybody's like wondering why I'm wearing that tie and, uh, you know, why I didn't bother to, you know, straighten my hair and what's up with that color suit he's wearing and why is he using that word instead of this word and why is he coughing and why is he stammering? And that just really makes things that much worse. Once you, uh, once you get into that you know, mindset that people are really observing you in a critical way, it's very, very hard to overcome that. So the truth is that people, I think, there are always people maybe that are judging, but most people really want to hear what you have to say, believe it or not. And, but it's your job that if you were asked to speak publicly, you have to prepare and you have to do a really good job. My father, Oliver Shalom, used to always say about a Balkaire, very often criticizing the Balkaire that got up and botched, you know, botched up the whole laning, you know, butchered it and, uh, and, and uh, massacred it. And, you know, my father used to tell me, he says, you, never, you don't have to go up and be a Balkari. So if the Gabe asks you on, you know, earlier in the week, if you want to lane for sure, you could say no. That's fine. Nobody's going to criticize you for saying no. But if you say yes, you better know it. Don't go up and be a Balkari unless you're really prepared and comfortable in doing the Kriya. If you're not doing it, then you're not, uh, you're not doing anyone any favors. And the same thing is true with public speaking. If somebody comes to you, let's say, before a, before a Shabbos in Yeshiva and says, listen, we'd like you to give the Dvar Torah on a Friday night by the meal, you could say no. You could say, thank you, it's really nice of you to offer, but I don't have time to prepare, or I'm not really in the mood, or, you know, or I may not be here. But if you say yes, then it behooves you to make sure that what you're saying is going to be uh, well-prepared, <coughs> It's going to be well-crafted, 
It's going to be something that's interesting and that you're going to do the best job that you can. It doesn't mean that you're going to be John F. Kennedy, but for you personally, on whatever level you are, uh, you have to try as hard as you can to figure out how to give a good, solid speech. That means something that holds people's attention. That means something that you thought about you know, more than three minutes before the speech was about to begin, and that you have a way of making it interesting, either by telling an interesting story or by using a, you know, sharpness to, uh, to really hone in on a, on a lesson to take away from the speech. So let's discuss a little bit, a few, uh, a few tricks of the trade, if you will, of how to give an effective speech. And then future uh, classes in Mirza Hashem and future, uh, um, what do we call this? Future clubs, thank you. In future clubs, uh, we'll hopefully think of more stuff. But this is what I thought of uh, today as I was jotting down um, some notes. It's very important to connect with your audience. When you're giving a public speech, you're not talking to yourself. It's not a you know, self-gratification. It's not about you. You're trying to inform and inspire and educate the people that you're giving it to. You don't need to public speak if you want to inform yourself. That You could talk to yourself for that. If you're speaking in front of a crowd, whether it's a small crowd or a massive crowd, or anywhere in the middle... You have to connect with your audience. You have to create like a bridge that, that really brings the speaker and the audience together. And that's a, not an easy thing, but it's not an impossible thing either. The first thing that you have to do is to understand the crowd that you're speaking to. When I speak in public, I want to know who am I speaking to. If I'm speaking to Yeshiva Bachram, to Talmidim, I'm going to be giving a certain type of shir. I'm going to be, maybe it's a little bit more deep, maybe it's a little bit more lumdish, maybe it's a, uh, it's a message that's custom-tailored to the, to the challenges that Yeshiva Bachram would go through. But that would not be the same speech that I would give if I was addressing a group of women. If I'm addressing a group of women, that's a totally different speech. It might be on a similar topic, but I would have to craft it in a customized way. I would have to know, you know, what would be appreciated. If I'm telling stories about, you know, guys in the dormitory, you know, uh, schmoozing, obviously women would like, why is he talking to us about that? That's not negate us. And maybe I would speak to them about things that they're going through, the challenges that they have, whatever they may be. And I would try to do a little research and to find out, you know, what women are experiencing, what are they challenged by, what are their, uh, what are their issues that they're dealing with. And also, it would not be the same speech as if I was speaking in America as if I was speaking in, in Eretz Yisrael, because it's two different cultures. You know, maybe the things that are plaguing American Jewry is not the same thing that are pla- that's plaguing Eretz Yisrael Jewry. So you always have to try to figure out, what, who am I speaking to? Like, what, what's the point over here? Are they old or are they young? If they're, if they're older people, if they're senior citizens, you have to totally speak to their generation. Maybe I would make some references to things that they would know culturally, you know, uh, speak about maybe certain leaders or certain times of history that, they would, that would appeal to them. Maybe I'd speak about my grandparents so that they could relate to that. 
if I was speaking to little kids, which sometimes I'm asked to do, uh, you know, to go to a local yeshiva and, and to address like a, I would I would speak in a way that's that's for them. If I speak to high school, it's a different speech. Whoever I'm speaking to, I have to try to figure out who my audience is, gear my speech to them, and specifically to them, and try to capture their attention. Because if I'm just speaking to the wall, and I'm speaking to something that's not relevant, but I'm just doing it because they asked me to speak, so I'm going to just speak, that's a waste of everybody's time. It's, it's, not, it's not worthy of... Of, of your audience. You have to respect your audience, you have to understand them, and you have to try to figure out when you're crafting your speech and your address, what do they need to hear? Maybe ask the person who asked you to speak, you know, what, you know, what it is that this audience needs. I do that all the time. If you're uh, speaking to a group of women, you know, uh, maybe there's something recent, there was a recent tragedy that they're very shaken up about. They want to know what they should do about it. So I would try to write a speech about that. If there's a, if it's a simcha, I would customize it to that type of mood, to that vibe. But you always have to worry about your crowd. It's a very, very important thing. If you're if you're speaking upstairs uh, in yeshiva in a you know in a in a dining room, um, so it's a shabbistic environment. So you speak in a certain way that's very different than if you would be asked to speak in your local in your local shul. And that's a very, very uh, critical role that a speaker has. You should try to make eye contact. If you notice, uh, as I'm speaking to you, I, I keep on like sort of looking around the room. I don't want anyone to feel that I'm not addressing them. Like if I would only, you know, turn my attention in this direction, then in that direction they might say, "Hello, like what? what we're not here. We're also here. Like why? Why? Why do you never look to me?" And so you have to try to, not in a weird way, not an oscillating fan that's going like this the whole time, but you make, make sure that, you're, that you're, you're fluid, like you're looking around, you're making eye contact with people, you're, you're, you're linking into people, and that everybody hopefully is engaged. There's a, speci- there's a special feeling, and I think you know, all of you probably uh, that have spoken publicly, and it seemed like practically everybody has, that there is a, a special feeling when you know that you're connecting with your audience. Am I right? When you feel like everybody is like listening, they're attentive, and they're hanging on your every word. If you're telling a story, they're listening to it. If you're telling a Dvartar, they're waiting you know, with bated breath what the, the punchline of that Dvartar is, what the takeaway is. There's a special feeling. But sometimes... And this takes time, and it's not, you're not always batting it out of the park every single time. But very often you're speaking and you realize that like, nobody's, nobody's in touch with what you're saying. I can't relate to that, of course, but uh, I'm saying, but, but the layman, but you know, sometimes you're speaking and you realize that you, know, you got the whole chevra. But sometimes you're speaking and like, you know, people are like schmoozing and people are like, you know, fidgeting and they're not, you're not gra- grabbing them. That's okay, it's not an Avera, but. There might be a reason for that. There might be a reason. Maybe uh, you're not engaging them in a certain way, and that's hopefully things that we will work on as the uh, as the this uh, as these classes uh, uh, progress. Posture is very important as well. Posture is a very uh, major part of of a speaker. Um, Unfortunately, these the last two months, my back has been really, really out, and like I'm in a lot of pain. But that's another story. But um, but so it's hard for me to like stand up straight. It kills actually. But if I 
would be feeling really well. I'd be, now I'm sitting, but if I'd be standing, standing up straight and looking good and, you know, stand not, not hunched over, not like looking to the ground, not looking at the ceiling, but engaged and, and into what I'm doing. Making sure it's not, I'm not doing this as a, I didn't lose a bet and that's why I'm speaking. If I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak because I really have a message to deliver. I'm excited to give over that message. It animates me. And if, you, if, if the public understands that, they will give me the honor of listening to them, listening to me. If they feel like he's not into, look at his posture, his whole body language is like he wants to finish his speech already. We've all been to speeches like that also. You know the guy does not want to speak. He hates speaking. It's so apparent. He just wants to like, you know, garble the whole message and sit down already. That's, you're not going to get people's attention because they realize right away that you're not interested in what, in what you're saying. You're, not, you're boring yourself, so why should we be interested in you? Okay, so a lot of people start their speeches with a joke. Now, this is a very controversial uh, topic, and if you, if you read about public speaking at all, you'll see that a lot of people are against this because it sort of divides a room. Like, some people will think it's maybe funny or they'll laugh because, you know, they know it's a joke, so they want to look like they get it. A lot of people will either not get it or they'll be offended by what you're saying, and so you immediately like divide the room by this joke. So unless it's like really like off the cuff, clever, like you know you have a good line that you you say and you know that it's not it's not going to come out the wrong way, and that you know it, it's hopefully going to be you know funny to everybody in the room. If you don't have that ammunition on you, then it's better to just start it in a serious way. Obviously, you can say. We'll speak about introductions and all of that, but it's very important. Don't start, everyone like, thinks that it's a mitzvah to start with a bad joke or a joke which really is bad, but, so, and, and they think that's going to break the ice or whatever. Generally speaking, it doesn't. Generally, people uh, are, they're not really, that's not what they came for. They came to hear a serious uh, but, but thoughtful lecture or sheer. If it, and if it's a joke that can do that, then by all means you should do it. But the problem is a lot of times people come in and they like have like this joke that they said already 50 times every meal, always start, or it's like, a, you know, and, or you, you looked it up online, funny joke to start speech with, and then it's not funny, and it's not, and people, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, 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 it's not befitting sometimes you to start with a joke, because you don't want to be a clown either. You want people to... If let's say I'm, I'm speaking upstairs by a, by you know on a, at a suda, or I was asked to speak by a I don't know by yeshiva dinner or graduate wherever it, whatever it is by a birthday party it doesn't matter. But if I'm if I'm speaking, I want to like try to carry myself with a certain chashivas. I want to make sure that people know that I'm real. People respect my my where I'm coming from, and that the message carries weight. So if it's Again, if it's like a sharp, like funny line that, you know, people really appreciate, it's like off the cuff and boom, and like it gets everybody, you know, in a good mood, great. But if you're saying, you know, there is a, you know, a Jew, an Italian, and a Frenchman walked into a bar, ouch, like, that's not, like, that's not, it's, it's not going to work. You know, people don't want to hear that. So you have to know, you have to be, you have to use discernment, like before you say anything like that, 
you know, it's it's not necessarily a, a, a bad idea, but it could also sometimes um, be a bad idea. I have a cousin who's a very chashava rav in, in upstate New York, and he... Um, he told me once, he's a public speaker, he told me once that whenever he gives a drasha, he always says a silent fila beforehand. He says, Hashem svasai tiftach ufiyagid tilasecha. That Hashem open up my lips and my mouth will speak your, um, your praise. Meaning, he understands that he's a kli, he's a he is a vessel, an instrument to convey Hashem's word, which is really what you're doing when you say a drasha. After all the jokes are over and after all the introductions and the body and the, and the conclusion and all what we're going to be talking about, even beyond, but beyond that, what are you doing? Like, ask yourself what you're doing. What you're really trying to do is convey the Dvar Hashem. Right now, if we're giving a shir, giving a vad, giving a shmuz, giving dafyami, whatever you're doing, you're giving over Hashem's word. And so you have to be chashev. If you're going to be a kli that's going to be conveying Hashem's word, you have to be machshev yourself. You have to appreciate what you're doing. You have to feel fortunate to have been given this opportunity to give over Hashem's word, because not everybody gets it. And you have to prepare, look the part, dress appropriately, be clean, neat, you know, shave, if you're being asked to speak, you have to look the part. You have to play the role, as it were. You never wing it. A lot of times people, you see, like, they, don't, they didn't really have time to prepare. It was a long week. They're busy, this and that. And they get up and they just, like, wing it. Like, they, don't, they have nothing to say. I've been to speeches like this. They, you realize that they really did not prepare a thing, and they're just standing up there, and they're, like, looking in the safer as they're speaking, and they don't... They, it's not Bakavadik. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to prepare. We're supposed to craft the message, hone the message. And it's very important that everybody have a takeaway. Sometimes people, if they're asked to speak, let's say, for speak for a half an hour, give a share and show up for half an hour. So I'll say like three different divrei from the parsha. You know, one thing at the beginning of the parasha, end of the middle of the parasha, end of the parasha, not related. And, and, and there's basically just like a not the people walk out. What do they have? They have nothing, because you said three things, and uh, you know there's no body. There's nothing. There, there's no real. Um, there, there, there's no takeaway message. It's not a honed message. What I like to do, and of course it takes work, and I have you know you have to read a lot, you have to research, you have to keep notes, and you have to keep cards. If you go up to my office, you'll find I have four big metal index box. Uh, boxes to hold index cards. I must have, I never counted them, but I, I probably have a few thousand index cards, and each of them are, uh, have dividers in them. I have for, you know, for the, the parshias. I don't have actually dividers between the parshias, but I have Barashas and Shemais in one box, another box, and I have Yamim Taivim broken up by dividers, Purim, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Hanukkah, etc. And anything that I've ever said in Yeshiva or anywhere, I keep an index card and I write down my, my message all as like bullet points, here I have this, that, that, 
and then I, I write exactly on the top, I keep uh, a record of where I said it and what year. So if let's say I had a, an index card or something, lately as, my, as I'm getting older, my eyes are not uh, as good, so I'm starting to do bigger, bigger papers. But I would write on the top 23, no, it's 22 still, 22 with a circle around it, and then I'd say um, club hour, Lander club hour, something like that. That way I know if I'm ever asked to speak again, I, you know, I'm not going to give that same speech within you know, a few years in Lander because I might, if somebody ever asked me to public, give a speech on public speaking you know, in, somewhere, in some other institution, I could because hopefully no one listened to it on Torah anytime or my, or my podcast. But, but at least I know when I said it and where I said it. But I keep, a note, I keep notes on everything that I said and then... I'm able to sort of um, cross-reference different things. So if I'm giving a speech this Shabbos about Zrizos, okay, I happen to know that I also have another speech on Zrizos, but it's, on, it's in Parshas Kisave, let's say. And so I could take that card and put it this card, take, pick and you know, cut and paste different things, and now I have a new speech. But, or if I'm reading a paper, let's say I'm reading Yated, or I'm reading Amodia, and I like a story that I see in there, what I'll do is I'll take a scissor, a pair of scissors, if it's not Shabbos, and I'll cut it out, and then I'll keep it in a special file, because that way, next time I want a really great story or a great vart, I have it, because if I throw the paper out, I'm never going to be able to remember where I saw it. I want to remember where I saw it. So if you want to start, now is as good a time as any to start your collection. If it's index cards or if it's files or whatever it is, always make notes of what you're saying. If you have, let's say, you know, you want to write about a certain topic, you want to write about a topic of, uh, I don't know, Matzah on Pesach. So you keep a sheet or an index card, Matzah on Pesach, and then you keep, uh, you say, uh, you know, a, a great vart that you saw, on that topic, and then you set, you have a story that you saw, you, you write where it is. We have to go? It's done? Um, huh? Right. So let's just wrap up. And um, so you should never wing it, and you should always prepare well, and this is part of your preparation is whenever you read something, make a note of it if you like it. Obviously, if you got nothing from an article that you read or from a book that you read, then forget about it. But sometimes you say, wow, this really made an impact on me. What do you do? You close the book. You'll never find it. You'll never remember where. And I do this all the time. And I kick myself because, like, why didn't I make a, make a note? I was looking the other day. I remember I read something. It was on the topic of it was on the topic of Bar, of Bar Kochva, and I wanted to write, some, I was looking for it. I couldn't think of where I saw it. Was, was it in a paper? Was it in a magazine? Was it in a book? Was it a saver? Finally, I actually found it, believe it or not. But it was a miracle that I found it. I was like, wow, I found it. But normally, it slips away. So if you're ever looking, now if I wanted to give a drush on Bar Kochva, I wanted to write an article about Bar, Bar Kochva, I would have no idea where I saw that. And... But now that I know where it is, now I could write it down, and now if I ever want to speak about Bar Kochla for whatever reason, I know where to go. If I want to really be good about it, I make a photocopy of it, and I put, it, put that in the file as well. And before you know it, you'll have a lot of index cards that are full of interesting topics, and whenever you're asked to speak, you have what to say on any, on any variety of topic. But always 
keep notes and keep your notes in an organized way, in a file or in a file cabinet or in, a, in an index card box, and you'll build up. You're not going to start with a thousand cards at once, but you'll start with one card, with two cards. Sometimes you go to a shear, and in shear your Rebbe says uh, something on the power show, he says something from Rebbe Kiveger that you really liked, that appealed to you. You write it down, even if you didn't get anything else from shear, if you write it down on an index card, you keep it in a certain file, you'll always be able to come back to it. And if you review those files, you'll become a big Talmud Chacham because you'll know, you know, a hundred Kivegers, a hundred Pnei Yeshua's, whatever you like, you'll be able to go back to them. So, okay, so we'll, we'll end with that. And uh, Mir Tzashem, so when are we meet again? In a month? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably decide the date. Like, okay. Later, right? okay, so Mir Tzashem will decide. And then, and then maybe, if you're interested, we could, uh, like, do it, like, intersperse. Maybe we could do one week, one time I'll speak, and then another time, next time, let's say, we get together, we'll have one of you or a few of you speak for a few minutes, and I don't know if I'll critique you, but we'll see. You could critique each other, and we'll we'll do it that way. Maybe that's better. And then next week, I'll give some more uh, ideas about public speaking. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it sounds great. Like to start off, someone will. Yeah. Then, okay, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Rabbi Say. Yeah.